Welcome to 300 Seconds. I'm your host, Raymond Blakely, and I'm thrilled to have a conversation with Dr. Lori Patton Davis. Lori Patton Davis is one of the most highly respected and accomplished influential scholars in the field of higher education. She's a tenured professor of higher education and student affairs at The Ohio State University and chair of the Department of Educational Studies. Pat Davis is also past president of the Association of the Study of Higher Education. She's best known for her important cross-cutting work on African-Americans in higher education, critical race theory, diversity initiatives on college campuses, girls and women of color in education and social context, and college student development and graduate preparation. She is the author of numerous peer-reviewed journals, articles, books, chapters, and academic publications. Lori, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. But the fight for equity and justice has reached, um, I guess, as Malcolm Gladwell would call it, a tipping point. And it's very interesting because on the one hand, you have some becoming more enlightened. But on the other hand, you have some people and some government entities uh, that are even more dug in, even attacking concepts like critical race theory. Why is this happening and where do we go from here? You know, the so I'll go back to the um, issue with George Floyd's murder um, this past summer. And that was where I saw, you know, colleagues and, you know, more traffic on social media around white people really wanting to engage and learn and um, better understand the inequities that black people were facing and understand their own whiteness. Right. And um, the thing that saddens me about that is that, you know, another black man, you know, had to die in order for you know some white people to reach this level of enlightenment so that's the one piece i think where since this summer we've seen greater efforts however um as that's going on you had the federal government so when donald trump was president you know creating these um mandates that uh, uh universities and, or, or government um related entities couldn't teach critical race theory they couldn't teach anything that made white people out to be the bad person and you know it's a, to me that wasn't about critical race theory and it wasn't about um um you know doing something that that we all would benefit from it was more about hiding what is true about our history um, and we see that going on now with Nicole Hannah-Jones and you know her 1619 project and UNC not getting her tenure and so I think we're always going to be in a space where we have some people who see what's going on and they want to better themselves they want to be less complicit in racism and racial injustice and then you have this other side that has been socialized that has been so indoctrinated into this belief around white superiority Superiority, that slavery was right, that the incorrect history that we, you know, teach our children are, you know, um, are truth. Uh, and so to me, it, I don't, it doesn't necessarily feel like a tipping point per se, but just another mm. um, point in our history where, you know, a black life was lost um, and it was traumatic because we were all able to see it and it triggered, you know, some folks willingness to change. And at the same time, people who, you know, are, are very much resistant to that change. And most oftentimes it's white people, right? Like it is hard to be a white person when you are raised to believe um, that, uh, 
what you experience is normal, right? Without realizing that you're able to experience that normalcy on the backs of black people and other racially minoritized groups. Like that's normal. And so to be told that, you know, you've been living a lie or to be told something that completely pulls you out of your life paradigm, that's hard right it's really hard uh and so i think we'll be in this moment for a while it'll go away right and and not go away literally but it'll at least remove be out of folks consciousness for a while before it comes back up again and the fear i have is that when it comes back up again it'll be because of other black people right who will have to lose their lives again you know and so i i I am cautious about thinking about things as uh, newer moments. I think history consistently repeats itself. Uh, and we have to really mm. be conscious of that repetitiveness and ways that we can work collectively to disrupt it, right? So that we can get to a point where people aren't looking at critical race theory as something that is attacking white people, which if people took the time to actually read it, I mean, it is really um, important scholarship. That isn't, by the way, being taught in schools. Um, Mm. The argument around critical race theory is politicized and it's affecting education. But the reality is that teachers aren't teaching first graders critical race theory. You don't really learn about CRT until, you know, grad school or something like that. Um, But to me, it's a a more of a political ploy and not really an effort to really know what critical race theory is. I've seen enough politicians on TV who are asked the question, what is CRT? And they cannot define it. Thank you so much. You know, a lot of a lot of what you said, rings true uh, in a lot of the conversations that we have. And in fact, a lot of my listeners are in the academy. Do you really have academic freedom uh, as a black faculty member? You know, freedom is relative, right? Um, (laughs) I remember um, uh, when I was considering, you know, being a tenure track faculty member, and my mentor, she's a black woman, uh, and you know she was in the process of going up to full professor. And you know when she was finally granted it, you know she would always jokingly say, "I got my free papers, right?" And I think when we think about the academy and um, advancement along the tenure track, there are certain freedoms that come along with that. You know, there are certain opportunities that come to you when you become a full professor that aren't available to you when you're an associate or, you know, or an assistant professor. Uh, And so in that regard, uh, and I experience it now as a full professor, like I can be far more uh, engaged in risk-taking uh, with my scholarship, how I mentor people and all of that because I'm a full professor. But here's the other reality of that. Um, I know that as a black woman, no institution was designed to love me, right? To love me enough to want to keep me even if I make a mistake, right? <laughs> and so I, I am very mindful of the fact that I can excel as far as I want in higher education, um, but that I can't connect my value to higher education spaces. Um, Because that's, it's not a space where my humanity is valued. Now, my scholarship, my leadership, the things that I put into it, those things are valued, but who I am is not 
you know, intrinsically connected to the institution's mission, right? And so um, when I think about my freedom or whatever, I don't connect that to higher education. So that, I mean, that's my take. I don't, academic freedom exists, I guess. Um, freedom of speech exists, but it all depends on who's doing the interpreting and who has the power to interpret in ways that ultimately disadvantage um, scholars like uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones. You know, uh, Dr. Pan Davis, we need to definitely, we need to feel we need to fill the bench if is what I'm trying oh, to say. Yeah. We need more. Absolutely. Um, and so can we close out with you giving some advice to some young academics that are making that decision as to whether or not they want to enter into the academy? I can. Um, I definitely believe and the research bears it out that when students of color have people who look like them in the classroom, whether it's K-12 or higher education, they are more likely to be retained, more likely to be engaged in their learning, um, more likely to you know, participate in out-of-class activities um, and engage with their faculty right outside of class. Um, and so we do need more faculty of color in higher education. And the, here's the other thing in terms of um, cross-cultural and cross-racial benefits, white students benefit too, because oftentimes it isn't until college where they have you know, a faculty member or someone who doesn't look like them. And so there are benefits. And I think for anyone who is considering, um, you know, working uh, in higher education, whether it's as an administrator or a faculty member, that sort of representation matters because again, as you work your way up, you become positioned to shift policies and to um, uh, do decision making that benefits uh, more people and that is more equitable. So there is a need, but my biggest advice, if you choose to you know, take this pathway, don't do it for uh, fame. So there is this thing called academic stardom, right? <laughs> you know, don't do it for the attention and don't do it just for the credential, but do it because you feel like you can make a change or you can be uh, a change agent or you can be a possibility model. That's why you get into these spaces. And when you do it, understand that the the institution, that's your job, but the work is in the community, right? How uh, how higher education uh, institutions serve, you know, their local and national community. It's about work, regardless of whether or not you're in the academy or not. So there's a job and then there's work. And I just recently learned that from from a panel I was on with Gloria Lassen-Billings and several other um, AERA presidents. But I'll stop there. Very good, very good. Well, there's never enough time. So this has been 300 seconds a podcast featuring everyday people who have done and are doing amazing things. Now, Dr. Patton Davis, one of the things that's really special about the show is that our guest chooses the outro song. So what song did you choose and why? So the song I chose is by Jill Scott and the title of the song is Prepared. Uh, and I, the title in and of itself, I think, represents who I am. So no matter what I'm doing, you know, I'm trying to prepare for uh, the next thing or the next opportunity I have to make a difference, the 
next ap opportunity I have to engage with, you know, uh, black women scholars, uh, the next opportunity that I get to, um, you know, raise my voice against the issue or, you know, or in favor of an issue, depending on the context. But that song is pretty much me. I, you know, it's the, there's a saying, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And so I pride myself on planning and being prepared in my personal and professional life. Checking to see where my head has been And I've been apologizing to some people Some bridges I needed to mend And I've been eating more cream Get my body out of line. Oh, I'm gonna be super fine. And I've been letting, been letting some old ideals go. I'm making room for my life to grow. I just wanna be free. Hey, yeah. I just wanna be prepared. Get myself ready. 